Travel. I'm your host, Sarah Morris, and I have with me Darcy Dodderus. Did I say your last name? You did. Okay, you got it. I'm always worried about that. Um, and she is an amazing realtor in Las Vegas. She has a very interesting background. She has a JD degree. So you get, you don't, I don't want to say get a lawyer, but you get someone at least that's familiar with reading contracts if she becomes your realtor. And she also has a PhD. Um, and maybe some other things that I don't know about that I'm hoping to find out about in this podcast. So welcome, Darcy. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. <laughs> um, where do you want to start? Well, I think with your background, because okay. I just know snippets of it. Sure. Well, I came to Las Vegas initially in 1992. I did my undergraduate at UNLV in healthcare administration. And not knowing what was next, um, my stepfather took the initiative to tell me I was going to law school. Okay. And so one continues their education. So I went to uh, law school in St. Louis at St. Louis University and did my uh, JD and my master's in health administration in a joint program. And um, after graduating there, came back to Las Vegas and passed the bar here in Nevada with the intention of uh, practicing law and ended up doing consulting for uh, LexisNexis at the time. So I was an account manager for them and got just, to work with lawyers yeah, that didn't have say. to be in the courtroom or, or in bill, the office. Or yeah, or bill. Hours, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah, so. So, so it was always a very consultative approach that I had with the law because my clients were practitioners in the law, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I knew I didn't want to do what you all were doing. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart lady. <laughs> I knew there was another way that I could make a contribution. So um, I got into, from, from there, saw that um, there were these opportunities to do more research outside of the law, and I started working for uh, investment uh, counseling and, and consulting business in Las Vegas and was their director of research. And I noticed that all of our clients, who were all high net worth clients, had real estate. And that put me forward to get my real estate license. And um, while I did transactions for clients, I mostly started flipping properties. Yourself? And myself. Okay. Uh-huh, okay. Which was at the high time and a blast. Mm. And if only I had been using my financial investing background, well, <laughs> we'd be on an island somewhere. Okay. But I didn't. And so... Um, Flipping properties and being in real estate led me to teaching real estate and um, Like teaching continuing education teaching pre-licensing and continuing ed. Yeah, and then from teaching real estate um, I was approached to start running real estate schools and so I did that for a brokerage that was then purchased by um, the Kaplan schools So started working with Kaplan Schools and then got pulled into higher education from there out of real estate for a while. See, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, yeah. So um, at that time, um, the Kaplan group of schools that had a lot of healthcare programs had 70 ground campuses across the country. So I worked on a team that standardized curriculum across the country and standardized financial aid and compliance and accreditation. And then my world of compliance and accreditation in higher ed opened up. Okay. And um, I moved to Chicago for a bit. I moved to Orange County, California for a while and worked in accreditation and compliance for higher education and then got my PhD. And then 
decided I wanted to come back to real estate. So, <laughs> so here you are. So here I am. And it's been really great coming back to um, the Las Vegas market in particular, but the practice of real estate has um, just, it's such a great amalgamation of everything that I enjoy. So uh, I think my skill set, I know that uh, I can provide a high level of expertise for clients and um, that consultative approach. Right. And it gets me back with the people instead of in a corporate environment. So that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. You, what you yeah. love about real estate, being yep. out and about yep. talking to people yep. and also being able to use your skills. Yeah. And there's yeah. this really personal connection with people because even though it's something that we're doing every day, they're not. They're at best maybe doing it every five to seven years and in between transactions things change they forget you're all hyped up you're busy packing boxes or unpacking boxes or making plans or relocating and so um, the details get lost unless they've got a practice professional yes absolutely which is definitely you and you also have the like you said the background because you've dealt with contracts and Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, written agreements yeah yeah and it's fun to use that role as an educator in this space too because um, really people are by nature pretty afraid to ask questions and now with all the information that's available on your iPad when you're laying in bed as you start your real estate journey um, you know it's sort of the WebMD of um, the medical world there is now for real estate and for law. So um, it's fun to be able to really say, okay, well, but this is in real life how it does work, and let me guide you through that. So, And you mentioned five to seven years. I was going to ask you, you know, that's what I've heard. Um, people usually sell, buy and sell their primary residence every five to seven years. Is that the average? It's about right. I think that's still the average. Las Vegas may be a little bit um, shorter time frame just because, you know, people, especially with, as the market, I think, has been so strong. People have been upgrading, you mm-hmm. know, um, but I, I do think that's still probably the national average is five to seven years. Okay. Um, and I was, I, I, this is not a planned question, but I was going to ask you, what do you think about the next year? What do you think is going to, anything in, going on with real estate? What are your predictions? Well, so. In Las Vegas. Yeah, in Las Vegas, I think, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, oh, I'm just going to wait until, you know, the market tapers off or takes a dive and it's going down. And I just am not seeing that. Personally, I think we're nice and stable. We're even. Um, The last time I talked to a lender expert, and I went to a luncheon a couple months ago, and the default rate in Las Vegas metro is less than 1%. -hmm. So I don't think that we are heading into, you know, high time for foreclosures or any of that. I think there are always going to be people that be people that struggle or default or are in distress, but there's not that climate, I don't think, happening. I do think, you know, we're it's seasonal, it's cyclical. Um, nobody really wants to be on the market over the holidays. I was going to say, you know, we're coming into the we're holidays. Coming into the holidays. I have, things have not for us and I'm happy to say that and proud to say that it hasn't slowed, been slowing down at all. Okay. It's been just as busy, and um, and that might be based on you know the the type of clients that we um, are seeing. We're seeing lots of relocations still, lots of folks coming in from California always, and Hawaii and Chicago, and 
um, some Seattle folks. So everywhere that it's really expensive to be, we're still seeing an influx of folks that are choosing Las Vegas at home. Nice. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. And what I think is exciting now versus 2004, 5, 6, when I started in real estate, is the number of professionals that are coming in. It's not just speculators oh, that are coming in. Um, it's really people that are building their family here. They're moving their parents here. They're making Las Vegas their home, and they really want to be part of the community instead of just, um, you know, waiting for the gold rush. Right, as they sort of mm-hmm. investors yeah. fought during the yeah. crisis. Okay, yeah, that is nice. Um, and to tie this into law. Yes. Uh, what is the most unusual issue that you've seen in your real estate career and legal issue related to real estate? So, um, the there are two that are you know this year issues that have come up. One is um, you know the I think the intricacies of probate and um, as the buyer's agent being certain that you understand the process well enough to make up for any um, lack of information the listing agent might have. Um, Because in in this particular instance, um, being told as the buyer's agent that probate's complete and the sale is approved and not knowing underneath that 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 wasn't actually the case and that there were, you know, liens, IRS liens in particular yeah. that needed to be handled and can't even be released with a, not even a payoff could be released until the probate was approved. Okay. And I think it's really important for agents on both sides to know what questions to ask mm-hmm. around that um, because the, the seller's gone. Right, and um, their executors don't necessarily know the questions to ask, and the buyers certainly don't know. Um, They are they've just got their move date and they've given their notice at their rental and they're ready to move. And delays are difficult to to stave off when you're waiting for you know it's going to be delayed if you don't have everything in line. And so I think that was a really interesting um, situation where I think sometimes the assumption is. The listing agent has all that handled because they're the one that took on a probate listing to begin with. Um, and then the other is around, um, you know, solar leases or power purchase agreements. And um, either as the buyer's agent or the listing agent, knowing what questions to ask, who to talk to, to start that at the very beginning of the transaction to make sure it doesn't hold up closing. Um, that the buyer understands they have to have their credit checked in a lot of in- instances. It has to qualify with their lender. Um, it's all of those pieces and then educating sellers about, you know, um, having all of that documentation at the outset before you're ever live on the market <laughs> because that too can delay the, the process. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the solar panels because I just last week was dealing with a transaction as the lawyer, not sure. the realtor. Um, a lease with option to buy, and okay. there's uh, solar panels that are being leased on the property. Oh. And I, I looked, but I'm going to ask you while mm-hmm. we're here. There's no forms on solar panels, right? No. Okay. No, there's not. There's um, 
depending on who is the who the provider is, right? Um, I've been seeing most recently power purchase agreements mm -hmm. rather than leases. Okay. And I was um, my solar expert that I was actually consulting with this morning told me that the only real difference um, in the two documents is that the power purchase will fluctuate based on what you're producing from the panels okay. that then you pay for as the owner or the 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 person that's in the home <laughs> that has the panels right because right. you don't own them um, versus the lease where they've estimated that you're going to produce X amount throughout the year and they've evenly divided that lease payment into 12 monthly installments. And I just think it's fascinating and, and it's certainly an area that I want to get more knowledgeable about because we are, you know, sunshine pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. And how that how that works for the homeowner and the and the new buyer in terms of really being able to explain this isn't based necessarily on your usage but on your production that you're actually paying for your production where with the energy company you're paying for your usage and tying those together and how it works with the sun cycle i mean it like it's quite something so <laughs> okay <laughs> almost yeah. like the zodiac of um, energy <laughs> yeah i mean that's why i was surprised i think at some point the greater las vegas association of realtors We'll have to have some forms regarding yes. solar panels. Yeah. I'm surprised they don't already. Yeah. Just because when I was reviewing documents, I didn't see anything, and so I just was surprised. And the, the only place where there's even really a place to designate anything is in the listing agreement. There is a section where, you know, it's one of the questions we're asking the seller is, do you have solar panels? Are they owned or leased? Well, there's not a place to even say, is it a power purchase agreement? There's just owned or leased, and so even as you're putting that listing in the MLS as the realtor, your words count because mm -hmm. in saying it's a lease with no payments, it's really not. And that was, you know, on my part, that was, wow, this really isn't a lease. And if you don't have all that paperwork up front, you don't even know what your what your client thinks they've got. Mm -hmm. They just know their bills are better than they used to be. They don't necessarily know what they've agreed to for the next 20 years, you right. know, or 30 or whatever it is, and what that looks like when you sell the house. So. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's definitely something that's coming up. Yeah. It's like a new cutting edge, or not so cutting edge because they've been around for a while, but I feel like now solar's been in our market long enough that now those homes are coming up Come for sale, market, and we've right. got to be more knowledgeable about what that looks like. Yeah, and you know, of course, just to um, touch on the probate that you talked yes. about. Yeah, I think it is because, of course, I deal with it from the legal side, and I do deal with realtors in probate, and um, I, I think it is important that you know the realtors themselves understand the probate process generally, mm -hmm. because you've got to manage expectations, manage your client's expectations, right. because they don't understand how long this is going to take, and a lot of it. You know, when you get the sale, the approval from the judge, it, you've got to set the hearing to get the approval. Sometimes mm -hmm. the judge moves the hearing. I mean, this isn't, nothing is a set yeah. date. Yeah, close <laughs> so. of escrow on the first of the month is, it might not be this not month. <laughs> right, right. So that's definitely something that comes up a lot. And I'm, I should do a class. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do do our continuing you education do. for realtors. Yep. 
We have an hour on estate planning and probate. I think you're right, though. I'm thinking now that I need to talk more about the probate process in general because I realize, I'm really realizing how much they just don't, they're right. not sure, you right. know, like how long these things take. And then they tell their clients one thing, but it's actually something different. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's upset and yeah. you know, there's miscommunication. So. Yep. And, I, and I think the, the what ifs, like you could do a whole 24-hour series on the what ifs of if there's an IRS lien, if the house is as is, that also means no one's going to be there to trash it out. So you are not going to get broom cleaned oh, addition, yes. <laughs> and and that the agents make sure that in the purchase agreement between the parties that it's clear because the standard language remains that it's broom clean is the condition that's going to be turned over. And um, I know in in the case of my buyer that was not the case that I paid for the trash out oh because gosh. it wasn't clear to them. Yeah, and I and the listing agent didn't have resources to do that, and mm-hmm. so. We do what we have to do, right? And it'd be nice if everybody knew what the plan was. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so, what is the most common legal issue you see with real estate? Most common, I think, is um, consumers not knowing how they want to hold title. Oh, really? Yeah, I think okay. it, it comes up. You know, it's a question that gets asked by the escrow when they fill out their buyer information or. Sellers, obviously, they've already made that decision at some point, either by default or consciously. Um, But really being able to, and for me, being really clear with clients that that's something you should speak with your attorney or CPA about or both. Don't cross um, the line. And not, you know, not advising on that. But, um, you know, particularly if the the loan is only being put in one person's name and who's going to quit claim off of what and back Mm -hmm. on to things. And so... Um, I think that's with every transaction. It's not, there's there's a few clients that know absolutely joint tenants with right of survivorship and, you know, that's what we want. And um, and there's always the funny, at, you know, at, at the signing of, why do they have to say I'm, you know, an unmarried woman? Because <laughs> it looks very judgy on paper. Um, um, so I'd say that's pretty common. And then the other is um, out of, you know, sort of the, who pays for who pays for what? And while it's not necessarily a legal issue, it doesn't get there. There's not a lot of understanding on people's part about like why do I why do I have to pay for title insurance? Mm-hmm. What you know? Why does the lender require that? Why? And so, sort of just the mechanics of of who pays for what? I think is well, shouldn't they be you know? Like I'm giving them, I'm giving them the privilege of buying my home. <laughs> Shouldn't they pay for everything? And so, um, and do you have? Because you know, for me, what I get a lot of phone calls about is um, violations of the SRPD, the Seller's Real Property Disclosure. Sure. Like, yeah. oh, I bought the house. They told me nothing was wrong with the roof. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's a roof leak on day two. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. Uh, that's of course for a lawyer. That's what we get. It's sure. Just, what do we do? What do we do? And of course, it all comes down to damages. What are the damages? Is it worth pursuing? You sure. Know, that's of course. Like a big deal. So, yeah. Uh, I. It's good that you don't get. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a lot of that. You don't. You know, I do get the question though from sellers primarily as they're filling out the SRPD of, I mean, I don't know what went on before we bought it. Mm-hmm. Well, of which you are aware right. is the language, right? So are you aware of anything? Have you fixed anything? Has there been water damage that you know of? No. But 
you know, and they they want to yeah. be so. Bo- I haven't had the occasion, knock wood, that people don't want to disclose, <laughs> but I have had folks that are like, well. I mean, should we just say that we didn't know of anything when we bought it? Mm-hmm. No, you know, that's a given. Here, right. And here's the language for that. If you ever can't sleep, the whole revised statute's on the back. Um, and so, yeah, I think yeah. people wanting to be sure they disclose enough is, right. is comes Which up is more good. Often. That's good. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. agreed. And, 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 and otherwise, for me, it's like people are not disclosing for some yeah. reason. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think, the ones that don't I think on the buyer side, there there is this... Um, what if, right, even mm-hmm. during the process, and, well, it says there that was handled, and, yeah. you know, what if, um, and I just direct people to get all the inspections you want to get. Right, you know, right. You're worried about mold because you moved here from Florida, and you all you know is mold right. um, being a problem. You know, it, you Might have to, you got to work pretty hard here to get mold, but, <laughs> yes, by all means, have an inspection. You're worried about radon? I've only had one of those in 15 years that like, actually had actually the test. Had yeah, that oh, went and had the test. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and it was and it was negative. <laughs> but they felt really strongly about environmental toxins and things that they were worried about from where they'd lived before. And so it was important to them to get it done. And yeah, and just that's to, a good gig if you're a radon inspector. Radon you just go set up a little box, plug oh, it in, and go pick it up anything. two days later. That's it. That's just take funny. the reading. So yeah, because I mean. I also just want to reiterate from a prior podcast, I was talking about the seller's real property disclosures, and I'll just confirm with you for the listeners that that is something that the seller has to fill out. The realtor does not fill Correct. it out at all. No. Because that would put liability on the realtor, and they don't know what's going on in the home. Yep. That is something the seller That's correct. In fact, we don't even send it out by DocuSign because... Okay. It's too easy to, you have to set up the boxes or the radio buttons. And, oh, that um, makes sense. And it's smart. It, and people are going to miss, you either have to make them required or optional. It's just mm-hmm. more complicated than sitting down in person or sending it over to them and saying, fill this all out. And then reviewing it and auditing it and then sending it back and asking for initials where they've, do you really have, you know, whatever you marked that isn't working? Right. Oh, no, it's working. Okay, start over. Because <laughs> you didn't read what it says. Are you aware of any problems with no, 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 no is what it should be? And you're saying, yes, you have problems with all these things. And so, and it, it's painful. It's a painful exercise, but it's so important that they do it they themselves. Do it. Yeah. yeah. And it's an important thing. I mean, definitely yeah. from a legal perspective, yeah. you've got to do it and be honest and fill it out right and make any notes you need to make. Mm-hmm. You know? And and I think the you know so many of the homes in Las Vegas have a shared block wall or shared fencing. Yeah. I think it's number eight, and routinely people mark, no, there's no shared oh. fence, or, and it's a yes. <laughs> Even if you don't have an HOA, you probably have a shared fence oh, with someone. Yeah. So um, so that's always interesting. And then you have to explain it on that other page, and so it's it's the pain most painful form, but. It's long term, I think, you know, it maybe shows up on your desk less often if we do it right. Right, so. exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, do you have anything you want to add? I'm just so happy that you were here. Thank oh, you for thanks being. for asking me. This yeah. is so fun. And, this is, yeah, and I don't think I mentioned this, but this is our inaugural interviewing someone in the community. Awesome. And thanks. Ms. Darcy is here, and I'm very happy to have her. And 
if you need a great realtor, she is available. <laughs> Thank you. I am available. And, and really, that's um, anything from condos to single family to townhouse to questions about selling, buying, um, leasing. Uh, if you're looking for a rental, we can help you with all of those things. Okay. We'll see you next time. Okay, sounds good.